From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas here, along with our uh, producer and co-host, Elaine Harlan, and our uh, who's uh, fighting with the microphone there. We'll get, tech, there we'll we'll get that taken right. care of. And, of course, our uh, faithful predecessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, with us as well. And... Uh, Fascinating, mm. fascinating stuff tonight. Mm, we'll get bet. that yes. uh, in just a second. Before we do, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with another story of a Jesus freak from the Voice of the Martyrs. Tourists come to Shimbara, Nagasaki, in southwest Japan for the natural hot spring waters flowing from Mount Unzin. But the waters from this volcano once had a more sinister use. On Christmas Day, 1628, Michael Nakashima, accused of hiding missionaries from Japanese authority, was tortured with this scalding water and pressured to deny his Christian faith. Instead, Michael said, Tear me to pieces and rip my soul from my body. But you will never force that detestable word of denial from my mouth. He died from the torture, but still he lives in eternity with our Heavenly Father. For more from courageous Christians through the years, go online to persecution.com. And back with you here on Lighthouse Live. Just a reminder, uh, friends, how blessed we are, at least for the moment, in these United States of America. And we need to take the opportunity God has given us and the freedoms that we have to reach out. Love God with our whole being and love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Mm-hmm. I want to thank the folks at Sherwood Bible Church for a, a fine turnout yesterday as Pastor Mike did a, a, a fine teaching from the book of John. I've already apologized to Pastor Ross <laughs> for the effects of the riot that occurred after the sermon. <laughs> the tomatoes were thrown. Hey, it was a wow. good time. Yeah, swinging it from the a, chandeliers a and all really that. really good time. Yeah. And we also want to thank the wonderful volunteers who turned out this past weekend from the neighborhood at River Ranch Church in Modesto Christian Schools who uh, served folks by mowing lawns and whacking Amen. weeds. They did a fine job, and we got some reports that said they did a wow job, and that's pretty <laughs> cool. So we want to thank those fine teams of volunteers. And speaking of volunteering, we have the uh, Linda Hand List from the Volunteer Center of the United Way, where the American Heart Association's 18th Annual American Heart Walk is taking place Saturday, September 12th from 9 a.m. to 12 noon at Modesto Junior College. And on Saturday, October 10th at the Banner Island Ballpark in Stockton, 
Volunteers are needed the day before from 2 to 8 p.m. to provide major setup, support, and the day of the event between 6 to noon uh, to assist with setup and teardown, help register participants, also to staff rest stops with refreshments on course, and to help with fun children's activities, face painting, and all the rest. All participants are treated to a continental breakfast, lunch, prize giveaways, and just enjoy live entertainment and some family fun. Businesses are also invited to participate in the employee wellness program prior to the event The American Heart Association is the largest voluntary health organization fighting heart disease, stroke, and other cardiovascular diseases in local communities throughout America. What a great opportunity to connect and to relate. We encourage you to take part in that. Helping adults learn to read, a much-needed thing in our uh, county. Reading Works is providing a tutor orientation Wednesday, September 9th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., followed by a tutor training on Saturday, September 12th. Why is everything September 12th? I don't Isn't that know. amazing? From, <laughs> everything's focused. We're going to talk more there. about September 12th yeah. coming up. But this is happening from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Both will be held at the Modesto Library downstairs. Volunteers are also needed uh, to tutor students in math and to help with GED preparation at the Drop-In Learning Center. That's also in Modesto. On-the-job training uh, is provided at, uh, uh, as well, Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 8. Reading Works, a partnership of the Stanislaw County Library and the Stanislaw Literacy Center. Free literacy service for adults who need to improve their basic academic skills. Now, for the younger set, volunteer homework tutors are needed in the after-school program to help youth ages 3 to 17 years with basic academic skills in English, math, social studies, and science tailored to meet the individual needs and age of each student. Flexible scheduling is available Tuesday through Thursday between 3 and 5.30. Interested individuals should be at least 16 years of age, enthusiastic, enjoy working with children and youth able to commit to a minimum of three months, provide a TB clearance, and pass a background check. The Family Partnership Center provides mental health and support services to families and relatives, grandparents, aunts, uncles, etc., raising relative children. And we find that to be the case oftentimes in all lots of areas, uh, lots of grandparents raising grandchildren and so on and so forth. If you have any questions about these opportunities to volunteer, please contact Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her at bborba at uwaystan.org. Now, items you can donate to those in need include... Bicycles, we have men's bikes needed currently. This is off of the ABC website. We have a couple of gentlemen on our list needing bicycles for transportation. Um, Twin beds, dining room tables and chairs. We have dressers, 
household furniture, but particularly beds are in need right now. We have many people, I was just talking to Devin before the program, uh, many children sleeping on floors and adults as well. So beds, any sizes, but particularly twin beds, bunk beds. Oh, this is a big deal. I got a call from a lady uh, just before the show started who needs uh, bunk beds because of space availability, basically no space available, so she needs bunk beds. So the number to call here is 209 244-9571. Again, that's 209-544-9571. Now, I know it's still officially summer, but winter's coming, and we have a precious couple in their 70s, and this is what they wrote to us. What they're asking for uh, is a gas heater, a gas uh, heater for their home, but this is what they shared with us. The wife says, we desperately need uh, heat. We tried last winter to get by on five small electric heaters. It was terrible. The bill, the electric bill, was almost $300 a month. We could not afford it. We are on a fixed, a low income. And she says, thank you for taking time out for us. So, folks, if you have uh, perhaps a, a, a wall heater to donate, and I know you know not all of us have one stashed in the garage, but if that's something that you do have and you wish to donate for this precious couple who desperately will need some heat in a very short time now coming up, uh, give us a call and we will make the connections uh, and we'll pick it up and, and connect it to where it's needed. It's just a, a wonderful way to bless someone. Amen. And while you're in the serving mood, remember, friends, coming up on September 12, yeah. there comes that date again, uh, we'll be returning to the airport neighborhoods again here in Modesto. And, uh, again, the, the neighbors there, the people on the ground said, hey, we need help with the graffiti and uh, cleaning up the alleyways and uh, whacking the weeds that are causing fire hazards. Last time in May, we took between 18 and 22 tons of stuff out of the alleyways there, and we're fixing to do that again. Coming up on September 12th, we'll meet briefly at 9 in the morning in the parking lot of Legion Park, and that's not where the Legion Hall is. It's actually down the road a piece from that, paralleling the Tuolumne River, uh, the Legion um, Park parking lot, and we'll have a brief briefing at uh, 9 a.m. and then uh, work till noon because we figure it's probably going to be a little hotter on September 12th than it was back on May 16th. And uh, just a, a reminder, there's a new request, and this is from Modesto City Schools. They would like teams of volunteers to go out and distribute special materials to targeted homes of students who are having difficulty in school. And basically it's a packet that encourages them to stay the course and get their diplomas and to stay in school. Uh, you do have to uh, fill out a form because it is the school district uh, just so they know who you are and it's not a big deal. Um, and We can get that for you. But if you're interested in being part of those teams, Again, probably just four to five people that go to specific residences in the airport neighborhood. Again, all you're going to do is give the parents a packet, encourage them uh, to uh, keep their kids in school. That would be a tremendous help to the school district. Information on that, anything else about uh, airport uh, neighborhood cleanup number two coming up on September 12th, give us a call. 209-544-9571, 209-544-9571, or you can always email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's info at vibrantcommunities.org. You know, for some time now, we have been hoping to schedule tonight's guest on the show, and we've compared calendars <laughs> and found a date that would work for Brother Devin Vo, and, and we are blessed. Devin, welcome to Lighthouse Live. 
Thanks for having me this evening. Uh, Great we, to have we, you with thank us. Thank you. No, no doubt you'll bring us full circle and tell us all about the current ministry you're working in, which we affectionately refer to as 511 Vine. But that's hardly your beginning some 31 years ago, and you have a most incredible story of how uh, God brought you to him and and to us. And would you share, as the Spirit leads you tonight, uh, your incredible testimony and, and life with us, Devin? Well, um, I came to the United States uh, from Vietnam back in 1983. My dad and I and three other men, we went fishing, and we caught, got caught in a storm, and we couldn't turn back. So the Vietnamese government thought that they were thought that we were escaping from the country. So they started shooting at us. Mm. And um, one guy got shot in the eye. I got shot in the head while I was sleeping on the boat. Mm. That At that time, I was about four years old. Mm. Four years old. Yes. And do you, you have uh, lots of, of memories of that? And did it... it uh... No. The farthest back I remember was when I was on the boat. Any damage? Actually, um, because of the gunshot wound, when I came over here, I have for my for the first couple of years when I came over here, I have epilep- I developed epilepsy mm. seizure. Mm. Mm. Um, when I, when I f- went to kindergarten, out of nine months of school, I only go to school w- one month because of I'm I wake up in the middle of the nights uh, with epilepsy seizure, and mm. I would go to the hospital. Mm. Now, what happened? You're there in the bo- boat. Uh, another man has been shot. You've been shot at uh, four years old. Yes. And what happened after that, and, and how, how did you get to the United States? And then uh, we, we, got, we got stranded out sea for a week or so, and then one day a French ship, has, a French ship passes by and didn't pick us up, and then uh, a, a moment later a U.S. ship passes by and picked us up, and we landed on the Philippines island for six to nine months, and then we came over here. Wow, what an incredible story! Now, through that, uh, now was your whole family with you, or just... no? My my dad and I came over here with the three men that was on our boat, and my mom and sister didn't come over here until 1992. Wow! So that was a few mm. years in between. Mm. There. Yes, that must have been tough. Huh? Yes. Yeah. How did you keep in contact? Uh, what? Uh, how How did you keep those familial ties going, being almost a half a world away there? Uh, I didn't really um, keep in contact with my mom and sister because I was so young back then. Mm. But my dad always uh, write letters back and forth to my mom. Mm. What happened when you got to the States, Devin? When, when you arrived at the United States, what happened then? Uh, back then, uh, there's a total of about 15 of us living in a three-bedroom house with my aunt and uncle and, and his family. And we and then I went to Chase Marshall Elementary School. And I because as... I came over here not knowing any English. I would take time out an hour each day out of class and uh, learn ESL, English Second Language. Uh-huh. 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 So you were on the West Side. Yes. Did you were you able to connect with other families from Vietnam? Yes, we have some re- some relatives who live here, like mm. my aunt and uncle, and and their kids and s- some other relatives here. Wow. So you were in. What would that be? Kindergarten age at that time? Yes. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. So you basically went through James Marshall. Yes. All of elementary. Yes. From there, was it Mark Twain? I went Mark Twain one year and Roosevelt one year. Okay. 
Okay. Now, how did God uh, play into your life, Devin? Uh, how, did, how did that all roll out? Uh, when we first came over here, there's a couple from First Baptist Church named Bruce and Florence Honeycutt. They knew of us, and then the, every, they would help us out, would help us pick us up to go to Salvation Army, get clothes, mm. and they would, don- they, they would bring TV to us, stuff that are donated. And then every Sunday, they would uh, drive around the city picking kids up in their brown van. There's about uh, 20 to 25, 30, they, some, some weeks 30 kids packing their brown <laughs> van, and we would come to church, and everyone would say, oh, look at all the kids. <laughs> so, yeah, I was part of the, the kids that they picked up every week. Wow. You know, the, the Honeycutt family really, in their DNA, yes, is being a yes, world Christian. Yes, you know yes. what I mean? Uh, that family, more than any other, I, I think that I know, walks their faith out in an Absolutely. incredible way. So uh, you and, and other uh, kids uh, that you knew were winding up at First Baptist every Sunday? Yes. And what happened with that? How did God impact your life then? And then um, for a couple of years, I stopped going to church. And then I started again when I was in fifth grade. And then um, I made my... I I opened my heart up to Christ when I was in junior high mm-hmm. because I've... Fill out a, a visitor a card, communication card, mm-hmm. and um, and then one day, um, a couple of men from the church would come and just meet with me, tell me more about Christ, Christian faith, and and ask mm-hmm. me if I wanted to accept Christ, and I did. Mm. So, how many years now had had you been in the United States at that point since kindergarten? Yes. And this was while you were junior in, high. Junior high. So a period there of uh, six, seven years, maybe five, six years, about well, eight or nine years, yeah, eight or nine years. And, you know what, friends? So I don't want to put down In-N-Out Burger. We love yeah. In-N-Out Burger, oh. and in fact, we're partaking of In-N-Out yes. Burger yes. Uh, tonight. But you know, sometimes we want that In-N-Out Burger feel where we drive in, we get the instantaneous sinner's mm-hmm. prayer, we drive out, and you know, you have to invest in people's lives, and there's a long-term commitment mm-hmm. there, uh, a long-term relationship that needs to be in the mix, you know, and, and how the Honeycutts invested in your life by, by, you know, providing for your needs, by bringing you to uh, to church. Building into his life. Absolutely. That's critical, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So you accepted Christ uh, in the junior high um, How did that change era? things for you, Devin? Actually, it's, um, it still happened for the first couple of years. I was pretty quiet in junior high. I would just go on Sunday morning. I didn't go to any of the activities that they do, like a choir tour or um, or what other, like Wednesday night they meet. But I didn't get really been, be active in church until high school ministry and college ministry. Mm. Were you still at that time still learning the language? Was that still becoming a part, or were you still were you pretty much established with with English and and comfortable with your your new home. I'm pretty much comfortable by the time I was in junior high with the English language. Now, as you were establishing your relationship with the Lord, how about how about your family, your dad? What was happening there? And your mom? Where was she at this point? Actually, um, when I was in elementary school, uh, my dad got remarried, Mm. and uh, I I had to move in with my aunt and uncle and their Uh, family. Okay. And uh, where were they as far as their relationship with the Lord? Um, they're non-believers. Okay. How did that uh, affect you as you were living under that household? Um, it didn't affect me too much because they gave me the freedom to go to church every Amen. Sunday. Amen. So they were seeing you, and you were actually witnessing. You were salt and light to them. 
as you lived under their their household. Yes. Yes. Now talk to us a little bit, uh, Devin. Here you are, um, very young and and a new country, totally different culture. Uh, talk about some of the um, adjustments that you had to make uh, to being in a country where the language was different, the culture mm-hmm. was different. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the challenges that you had to face as a kid? Uh, I don't think there's uh, really that much challenge because I, I came here as a kid. I think if if I came here as an adult, it would be mm-hmm. more challenging mm-hmm. because it'll be I'll, I'll have a tougher time learning the English language. But since I learned it so young, I was able to adapt ease more easily. Yeah, there is something about being young and learning learning a new language, isn't it, than uh, when we try to as an adult. Yes. Now, now what about uh, as you were uh, connecting with uh, uh, other uh, kids uh, who are from Vietnam, uh, were there certain cultural experiences and traditions that you carried with you, or was it like kind of a, a brand-new uh, system to you? Actually, there's still some tradition that we practice at home, like you, you speak, like I speak in Vietnamese when I'm at home, mm-hmm. and, you know, like... You know, coming in the house, you have to take your shoes off, uh-huh. and just like some of the the little stuff like that that you that nowadays kids here in America they don't do. Yeah. And your friends at school, Devin, who were Vietnamese, and some of them who uh, had come from uh, the Vietnamese country, were they different, or were they more um, accepting of their new home? How was that? How did that play into your experience from of being here? Actually, a lot of them, they adapt to the American culture. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Talk to us a little bit now. You've, uh, you've accepted the Lord. You're in, uh, you're in junior high, and, and you go to live with your aunt and uncle. Is, is that right? Yes. And uh, tell us uh, how you migrated now into the calling that, uh, that God has given you now. Uh, when I, when I, uh, I remember one time when I was in the college ministry, I... Um, I I was in the church service one time, and then I I hear God's voice speaking to me. Said, "I want you to go to Vietnam." Mm-hmm. And then I, I I thought someone was speaking to me from behind, and but I turned around, mm-hmm. no one was speaking to me. So I hear wow. the voice again, and then I started um, praying about it, and I I talked to Claude Terry about it, who's the <sighs> war outreach pastor at First Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And there's a man of God, huh? Yes. yes wow, indeed. another uh, world uh, world Christian. So you had this. Uh, I guess pretty much an audible <laughs> call, right? Yes. And uh, what uh, what steps did you take then to move into where you are now? I um I tried to go on like mission trips that are offered through the college ministry at that time. I was able to went on a mission trip to Belfast, Northern Ireland, wow. back in the summer of 1999, wow. working with the church uh, Strandtown Baptist Church in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm. Now you've uh, you were telling us before the program today that uh, there's a connection of uh, people who have a heart for ministering to the Vietnamese across the nation. Yes. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that organization and, and what they're doing. Uh, I've been uh, attending the Vietnamese Baptist Conference for the last uh, nine out of ten years or so, and um, just recently, the last couple of years, um, the the Vietnamese Baptist Conference they develop a pro- program called Project Send Me where they would um, pick um, a city, an area to work with. This is for the youth to work with a Vietnamese church there to do some outreach to the Vietnamese community in the area. So far, they've been to um, South Carolina, mm-hmm. Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, Mobile, Alabama, Rochester, New York, and next month we'll be going to Fort Smith, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. That is terrific. Now, are there large segments of Vietnamese people in these areas, Devin? Uh, I'm not sure, but there is, there is uh, quite a few Vietnamese. That's why there is, that's why there's uh, Vietnamese churches that exist in those areas. Mm. And are you seeing lots of people come to the Lord when you? Actually, I, this this will next month will be my first project sending right. mission trip, mm-hmm. so uh, I haven't experienced it. But I've seen and I heard uh, I talked to some of my friends who went on the trip. They said uh, it's an an amazing experience. This has got to be an exciting thing for you. <laughs> Have you had the chance yet to go back to Vietnam? Yes, actually, I I did twice already. Back in uh, summer of 2006 and 2007, mm. I went back on a short-term mission trip for three weeks, three weeks each time with a mission organization called Nehemiah Medical Project for Vietnam. Mm. And what, what do they do? They're a team, um, a core team of, of doctors and pharmacists and dental and all various profession in the, in the medicine area, in the medical field. Mm-hmm. And um, they, we would go like a lot of time people ask me how come you go on a medical mission trip when you don't have any medical experience well i said there's a, a core team of medic a, a core medical team already mm-hmm. all they need is volunteers mm. right. so i remember the first year i helped back in 2006 i went and i helped out with the ekg machine and to check up on the patient's heart condition mm-hmm. and then um what that one wasn't too busy so they they uh, Moved me to the pharmacy area where I would help fill up basic prescription for those who um, needed needed the prescription. Mm. You know, we uh, we keep in touch with Gordon Clausen from LifeWind, who uh, has been all over Southeast Asia and uh, expert on much of the uh, much of the East and the Near East. And uh, tell but t- tell us a little bit about the the culture right now. I mean, for Many of us, the the closest we've ever been to Vietnam is going through the war years and and you know the tremendous impact it had here. And uh, we do a lot of um, services with with guys who served in Vietnam, and so we get one picture of wh- what Vietnam is. But you've been there, uh, you've been on the ground, you've seen what's going on. Tell us a little bit about what's happening in that country and uh, and how much uh, uh, ministry is needed. You know, Vietnam, as you know, is still one of the few communist countries that still exists right now. Mm-hmm. So there is no freedom of religion in Vietnam. So basically when we were there as a mission team, the, Viet- the local Vietnamese government know that who we are, but we sh- basically show Christ's love through our action. Yes. Because if they uh, caught us witnessing, then they'll shut our program down for a year. Mm. And um, a lot of the church that people see in the public eye, they, that they see out front, those are the church that is under gov- Vietnamese government regulation. So you could do everything inside the church, but you can't do anything outside the church. Mm. And then I was also have an opportunity as a, our team, we visited some underground churches, which basically like you, you walk through the alley, you go up the stairs, and there's a church. You wouldn't, a, a normal person wouldn't know that the church exists if no one showed it to them. Wow. Now, when you talk about going there and showing Christ's love, Devin, how is that received by the Vietnamese, the Vietnamese people? What, how, what's the reception like when you go there and you love them? Um, yeah, we, they, they love us back. They yeah. said, like, um, you know, how come you, you travel all like across the world just to, uh, just to um, give us some medicine? Mm-hmm. We say, you know what, we care for you. But, you know, we, 
we need to be careful what we say too, because the the Vietnamese military police always watches us. So we just mm. we show Christ's love through our action instead of act, sometimes actions speaks louder than word. I would assume this works a little bit like the the Chinese government does, where the churches have to be um, permitted yes. or registered uh, with the state. Do you know what kind of restrictions? Uh, I mean, you told us that everything has to happen, you know, kind of within the four walls. Uh, uh, are there any other parameters they they function under? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not really familiar with it, but okay. that's what I know, because like some of the people. I, get caught witnessing in Vietnam, they get put in prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it strikes, it just hit me as you were talking, Devin. The, the oppressive communist government has forced the church in Vietnam inside of the four walls yes. and won't let them get out. Here we have the freedom in the United States to go out of the four walls and we choose to stay in. What, What's with that? I know, no yeah. kidding. That's, you know, but it just... Yeah. We just need to be reminded that we have this open window for the moment that uh, that we need to uh, to take advantage of, and uh, I, I would imagine, Devin, that the response from people and and as you say, you know, when someone is faced with an act of of kindness, of mercy, of grace, with no strings attached, uh, you know, God God is evident in that act, isn't He? Yes. Um, the last trip I went on, the thing that God teaches me the most is that. We as American, we have so much compared to third world nation. Yeah. Yes. Because like, uh, like, um, yeah, the area that some of the area we went to was the, some of the poorest area in the country, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like eighty percent of the area that we go to, they don't know they don't know the language. They know they speak the language, but they don't know the language. Like I remember one time where a, an old man came up to me. He asked where he asked me in Vietnamese where can I go. But, pick up the prescription. I go go down there to room eight. He go, I don't know how to read. And that's sad, and it just breaks my heart. Mm. And, like, even uh, kids, too, uh, I see a lot of them, since their family is so poor that they have to quit school and help their family out by selling lottery tickets in the streets. Poverty is relative, isn't it? I mean, we do have poverty areas here in the United States, but when you look in total... And compared to some of the other poverty areas across the world, sometimes we have no idea what it looks like an ocean away doing. No. And you know, the love that you share with them as you're there, Devin, no matter what language one speaks, that love knows all languages, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I knew we would be blessed tonight with you here with us, and thank you so much for for sharing your story, and we have so much more with Brother Devin Vo here with us tonight. You know, our signature group is uh, Casting Crowns, and tonight from their CD, The Altar and the Door, we've got the song entitled, I Know You're There. Megan Garrett on vocals. This is an awesome one on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back. Just to sing your praise Just to say your name If all I had Was one last prayer I'd pray Cause I know you're always listening If I could live A thousand lives By the hands of time I would spend every moment 
of us could attest to that at some point in our lives, and I'm sure that our guest tonight, Devin Vo, can attest to that. And we are so glad to have Devin with us tonight, and uh, just pleased to hear all about his story, his powerful testimony, and he continues that ministry right here with us in Modesto, California. Devin, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Lighthouse Live. Devin, we were talking a couple of moments ago about the Nehemiah Medical Project, and and the numbers, I think, are astounding. Uh, Tell us uh, about how many people you are contacting through that project on a daily, on a weekly basis. Uh, We we go there. We we spend two weeks, uh, one, like two weeks at two different provinces, and each day we go to different area in the province, and we set up uh, our... um, our medical clinic, mm-hmm. and each day we saw on average between six to nine hundred patients a day. Wow! And in a period of two weeks, we saw about sixty-five hundred to seven thousand patients at, in the two weeks period. You were saying the That's population amazing. of Vietnam is what? Uh, between eighty-five, ninety million people. Mm. Six hundred to nine hundred patients a day. Yes. Wow. And what type of medical services again are, are you? We providing? do 
basic medical needs like you know they have like colds cough mm-hmm. or like we even have a dental team but our dental team is pretty basic like if their teeth are rotten we pull them out mm-hmm. and the extraction and mm-hmm. we we told them to you know go go to the city and see it a dentist and stuff because a lot of them they never had the medical dental care because we go to some of the poorest poorest area in the country. Can you imagine yeah. having that dental care and never having it before, having your teeth extracted? I mean, we can you know go to the dentist and we don't like it, but can you imagine that happening to them for the first time? Yeah, it's got to be a scary, scary proposition. Thing. Are you in, mostly in uh, agrarian areas, uh, uh, farmland, that sort of thing? Or Yes. Uh, some of the area, the, the streets are so small that, the bus that we go in, we cannot drive the bus through the roads, wow. so we have to transport our our supplies and, and people into smaller vehicles so that we can able to go through the small roads. Now, these people in the rural areas are they basically disconnected from the uh, larger cities? Yes, they're some of the poorest area, the poorest people in the country. Is that because of transportation or, or distance or? Yeah, both. Both? Okay. And the water supply, Devin, is not? Um, water is, is not oh, safe to drink there. We All our water we drink from bottled water. Mm-hmm. Are there efforts to uh, help the people there rectify that situation, or is it just kind of something that is uh, just so huge that it, it, it's hard to deal with? Uh, I didn't really – I don't know the situation there mm-hmm. on the water system because we just go there, and we were there for a short for a short amount of time. That's why we, we don't do uh, pay attention to, to what goes on there. So I imagine you've seen, uh, you're seeing people who have had no medical attention for many, many years probably, right? Yes. Wow, amazing. And the opportunity then uh, at least to show Christ in the process. Are, are you monitored there, or, or is the government watching what you're doing? Yes. Everywhere we go, there would be um, military police overseeing us because they because they uh, before we leave for the trip it's uh, all the all the activities that we do is planned out with the Vietnamese government and then uh, there would be military police there helping us unload the the, st- the supplies and everything and they would like uh, set us give tell us which room to go to for the setup of all the different medical stuff that we do mm-hmm. and how how do they relate to you is, is it are they standoffish or and what what Kind of an attitude do they have? No, they they're friendly to us. They you know they um you know they just make sure that we do our job, Mm -hmm. and that like toward the end of the day they would bring their family into for for us to check up on their family too. What a great opportunity! The people that go with you, Devin, um, from here, how many people, how many volunteers go with you, and are they all Vietnamese people? A majority of the team members are Vietnamese. There's a between uh, twelve to fifteen of us from from the states and Canada, and um, another fifteen from Vietnam. Do they require you to speak and communicate with one another in the Vietnamese language, or do you ever speak English? Actually, we do both because some of our team member is English speaking only, oh. speaker only. So they would have del- del- they would delegate one person, and that's usually me to translate <laughs> for the team. Like whoever speaking English, I would translate to Vietnamese. Whoever speak Vietnamese, I would translate to English. Okay. Well, at the moment, you're at uh, one of our favorite places that we see a lot. Uh, they're uh, at the end of Vine Street, 500 block, and we've, uh, over the years, painted uh, a lot of graffiti out in, in that area. What brought you? How did you make your way to 511 Vine, and what, what is God calling you to do right now? Uh, I've been at 511 Vine Street since March of last year, so it's 
been almost about a year and a half there. And I'm just preparing myself for the ministry that God called me. And I'm working with uh, Marvin Jacobo mm-hmm. and City Ministry Network and just uh, maybe to work partner with some of the churches um, in in the West Side area. Mm-hmm. Are you able to uh, connect with, uh, I mean, there's kind of your roots here in the West Side area, maintaining mm-hmm. those contacts with uh, kids you grew up with? Uh, no, a lot of them moved on. And uh, so I don't really keep in contact with, I don't think, any of them right now. Mm-hmm. But there's a very large contingent, not only of, uh, of Vietnamese, but other folks from Southeast Asia, the Cambodians, quite quite a large yes. population of Cambodians. Yeah, uh, like I, I believe the majority of them live in the Paradise Apartments, mm-hmm. yes. as you know. Yes. And uh, a lot of them goes to yeah, James Marshall or Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. Y- your old stomping grounds. Yes. <laughs> Devin, what do you see for this city? I see that there's a, there's a hunger, but, you know, this. And it's hard to minister on the west side because of, you know, people rather live on the east side or north side because the west side, they think there's, think there's always like gang activities and stuff. But we also see that uh, I'm living at the Vine House. We see cops activity all the time. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear a siren, I would just pray for whatever mm-hmm. si- situation is there. And, you know, just be able to love people in the, the area that we live at. Mm-hmm. You know, that is so important, Devin. I uh, had the opportunity, and in fact, one of the other places we go to wipe out graffiti on a cons- consistent basis is the uh, MID uh, easement, uh, where the canals are stretching basically from Hauser up past California on, a, on up to Mays. And uh, got to meet the other day a, a believing couple that are right behind a fence that we have painted out a bazillion times up there, you know, and they are smack dab in a, in a tough neighborhood, but that's where God called them, you know, and uh, they love that neighborhood. They love the people. They uh, love uh, getting connected with them. They really are living out that, you know, let your light shine before men. And, and I think the tragedy is we tend to look at different areas of our cities, not just Bendesto, but all over, and we paint them with a broad brush. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there are wonderful lighthouses, you know, within every area, and especially on the west side. You've got people with a lot of heart, you know, living in, in different pockets in that area. And I think a tremendous hope, uh, tremendous challenge as well, but I think if... Uh, you know, if people are willing to, to step out and get connected with and, and network with the people on the west side, why, there, there's tremendous, tremendous amount of resources there that God can use. Yes, um, you know, like, yeah, this summer, on the west side, every Thursday evening, they have Farmer's Market, yeah. where I bring the community right. closer together mm-hmm. at Mellis Park in front of King Candy Memorial Center. Right, yeah. In fact, I talked to uh, a gentleman there, a, br- a brother that is cooking a lot of the food. Uh, for that area and, and uh, on, on Thursday nights. And he said, what a, what a joy it is, mm-hmm. you know, to be there and connect with uh, with some other believers. And certainly, uh, you know, it points out the need for us to operate as the body of Christ. You know, one, one church, uh, one ministry, uh, one house cannot do it. We need to network together and allow God to leverage that. Yeah, and then um, beginning with the August, yeah, the f- first Tuesday in August, we um, we... The guy, the five eleven and five twelve, we um, we hosted the um, the night out national night national night, night out. Yes. Yeah, and yes. we have so we had like an ice cream social with the cool. the the kids in the neighborhoods. Yeah, that and what kind of reaction did you get? Uh, yeah, a lot of them like it, and you know, getting to know them, and you know, like even last Tuesday, some of the 
the kids that we work with play soccer with them in the streets in the dark. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but that was fun. Yeah, the National Light Out was, was quite an amazing thing. I visited quite a few different sites in various you know parts of the city, and some people blocked off the street. I mean, they took over, over the whole place, and Elaine, you were down in, in, in series, Whitmore yeah, Park, yeah, right, uh, in, in, in series, and it's a great, uh, great way. You know, in our culture right now, we, we just don't notice our neighbors much. Yeah. Do we? No. <laughs> and then, see, that's why, like, once a month uh, at the house, I would host a dinner and movie night get-together with some of the kids in, yeah. in Tapestry we work with. And, you know, it's like, you know, we have dinner at 6 and just fellowship and get to know the kids and pop in a movie. And, you know, it's a, it's a safe place for the kids to come instead of, you know, doing other things. They can come in and feel safe, have a meal together, and just have fellowship and mm-hmm. watch a movie together. Right. And uh, so much pressure upon uh, kids in, in, in many of those neighborhoods to either be in fear of or join the gangs, one, one or the other. And it's a great opportunity that you have to pro- provide an alternative there. Yeah, and then, like, sometimes I, I just walk the streets of, our, um, of the neighborhood and just seeing, you know, like some of the things that God speaks to me about, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, you know, high rate, you know, crime rate and mm-hmm. gang rate and teen pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like even pass by Modesto High is to just pray that, you know, what the, 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 you know, the, the daycare that they have would be able to minister to the, the teen um, parents there. Mm. Friends, you're tuned into Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back with more with Devin Vo right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. 
AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we thank you wherever you happen to be listening to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our very special guest tonight, Devin Vo. Just a reminder, friends, uh, if you'd like to find out more opportunities to serve, check out our website, www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red <laughs> icon thing that flashes at you, and uh, it'll take you to the daily update page. And Elaine uh, often updates that a couple of times a day. And, uh, you know, some of the, some people actually use that as their home page mm-hmm. on their Thank browser, believe it or we not. First thing that. they look at in the morning when they turn on the computer are new opportunities to serve. So we invite you uh, to visit the website. And uh, especially in this economic climate, friends, uh, if God has blessed you with a few extra shekels, we could sure use that to uh, fuel the connections engine to keep uh-huh. things going here at Advancing uh-huh. Vibrant Communities. Well, Devin, God is doing a tremendous work in and through your life. What do you see him doing uh, in the near future? What uh, what do you see on the radar screen for you? Right now I'm preparing myself to go back to Vietnam um, to be a full-time missionary there. Mm. I'm in the process of filling out um, a two-year program through International Mission Board mm. to teach English either to teach English to the Vietnamese either in Cambodia or Vietnam. Mm. And uh, tell us a little bit about the International Missions Board, their, their scope, uh, where, what nations are they in? They're all over the, they're all over the world. Mm-hmm. And how did you get connected with them? Uh, actually, um, one of my friends who is currently applying for the two-year program to teach English to the Vietnamese in Cambodia, she, she told me about the program. Mm-hmm. 
Now, how does uh, how does that work? Does the government acknowledge, you know, these are missionaries, but we're going to keep an eye on them, or how how does that work? Uh, I'm not. I don't. I'm not really sure. Okay. And then, uh, as I apply, that they'll probably contact me and tell me more about the program. Mm. Devin, when you go over, and I don't know when you're going over, but I'm I'm picturing you to be planning as you go. There will be needs. Uh, certainly tremendous needs that the people you go over to minister uh, to will have, uh, certainly spiritual needs. We, we know that, and you'll be praying for them, and, and perhaps you can share some uh, prayer needs that we can be joining you in prayer as you go for. But these these things that they will be needing, what kinds of physical needs will the people that you will be ministering to have, and are there physical things that you can take with you, and what would those things be? Uh, will they have uh, uh, physical needs that they'll be needing in the way of school supplies, uh, clothing? What I'm, I'm just envisioning. What what kinds of things will will they need? I don't think uh, they need anything physically because uh, it is provided for them there because they're in a education system, so they have the money to go to school. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more of the, their spiritual needs because it's a you know it's a it's a country. Vietnam is a country is that's still communist, so you know spiritual needs is 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 heavy in that country, and even Cambodia too. Even though Cambodia is has some freedom of religion, but there's still major needs there because is because the as you know some majority of the Asian countries are their religion is Buddhism. And and how when when you bump into the the Buddhist culture, what type of response do you get? And and how do you, how do you reach the uh, the people who uh, have have grown up in that Buddhist faith? I think uh, the most important thing is listen to them, and love them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just be able to share with them your hearts, your testimony, your feelings, mm-hmm. instead of being judgmental with them. Mm-hmm. Love them right where they are. Correct. Yes. So establishing that relationship with yes. them is, is, is so important. Uh, as, in, in your uh, experiences as you've gone over there, uh, what type of reception do you get from the Buddhist community? Um, I didn't really come into contact with a lot of Buddhists, but you know what? They're normal people like us. Mm-hmm. Like even Christian, we walk the you know, we walk the, our city. No one know that we're Christian. Even Buddhists, like you know, they walk the city of you know if they walk in Vietnam. We wouldn't know if they don't practice their you know their religious beliefs, and they'll be normal like us. We wouldn't be able to identify them. Mm-hmm. So it's that relationship then that allows God to really open up the uh, open up the door and, and uh, explore those uh, those new roots for them. Um, in in the Buddhist faith, I mean, there seems to be uh, an acceptance of a lot of different uh, icons, and I would imagine that uh, Christianity, uh, to, to those who are not real familiar with it, is you know, perhaps another thing that can be uh, believed in. Uh, so it's it's uh, Jesus Christ showing up and the Holy, Holy Spirit moving through people that will really move them. And I would imagine absent uh, people like you who have a, a cultural affinity and connection with the community, absent people going over and establishing that relationship and allowing God to make those connections, probably very hard to reach them because they're just so isolated, right? Yes, that's why... It'd be good, you know, short-term mission trip is great, but long-term mission trip is yeah, better yeah, yeah. because 
that's when you develop relationship with people. Mm-hmm. You build trust in people. You make connection with people so that, you know, so you'll be able to share your hearts with them and they'll be able to listen to you because you, you spend all this time investing in them and listening to them yes. to build relationship with them, know what ticked them off, know <laughs> what, you know, know <laughs> them and allow, and then, and then allow them to know you to build that personal relationship so you can be able to share your faith with them. What would a long-term mission trip look like to you, Devin? Uh, you know, just be able to build relationships with people, work with the people who is there, who know Christ, and be able to, you know, build build each other up and uh, just be able to minister and work together because it is. Um, that's why Jesus sent out two at a time yes. to mm-hmm. minister because, um, you know, it's it's not good for man to be alone. And you would like to be there for an extended period of time. Yes, and I, I made some connection yes. with some people over there that I, I can work with, mm-hmm. so with some of the churches that's there because one of the pastors that we that I, I got to know on the trip, he's willing to open up his house for me to stay at Amen. when I'm there. What mm. a blessing. Wow. How many people would you like to see travel with you on the team? Um, I don't know because I'm still in the work in pro- progress. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of unknowns yet that have yet to be uh, defined. But Devin, I think you know God's going to honor uh, your heart in just being available, and uh, and willing to go. You know, sometimes we can uh, over strategize and choke God out of the process. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think having that that open heart, just saying I'm willing to go, I'm available. Uh, God will honor that in uh, in an incredible way. Right now, as you prepare for that, how can people pray for you, uh, Devin, as as you prepare your heart and and your life for for this uh, new venture? That uh, you know, that pray, pray pray for the people that I come in contact with, mm. that their hearts will be open, mm-hmm. that uh, I will for protection spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, mentally, mm-hmm. because you know it's it's tough when you go to a foreign country. You know you leave your comfort zone mm-hmm. yeah. and you go somewhere else, and that maybe to establish relationship and work with the the people that God has provided me with when I'm there. And I just um, continue to uh, uh, be obedient to God's home. Amen. Devin, Bo, we thank you so much for sharing your heart, your ministry, and your life with us tonight here on Lighthouse Live. May God continue to bless you in your travels and here at home. Thank you for being with us tonight. And dear friends, thank you for joining us wherever you may happen to be listening. May God continue to bless your lives as well. Thanks for listening in tonight.